Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your host, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Bienvenidos, todos amigos. Welcome to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. Are we going all just, in Espanol today? I can't. I can't. <laughs> you ready for that? Yeah. I oh, can't. I'm so ready. <laughs> can't stop speaking Spanish. Just got back from Honduras mm. for the uh, mission trip. For Gale 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 how, how was the trip? It was really good. Welcome home. Thank you. Yeah. It was my second time in Central America, so I studied Spanish, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one year of vocation director, right? Yeah. In Guatemala. In Guatemala. Yeah. Guatemala, and then going to Honduras. It was great. Love Central America. I told my mostly Mexican parishioners on Sunday, I said, I love Mexico, but Central America has my heart just because I've spent some time there. So mm-hmm. it's great. The food was the same as Guatemala. Loved it. Lots of beans and plantains. I had, mm-hmm. this is kind of fun. They take unripe plantains when they're still really green mm-hmm. and it's really starchy and make chips out of that. Oh, sure. So they're not sweet mm-hmm. yet. So they don't really taste like bananas yet. Mm-hmm. They just kind of, they're like potatoes. Mm-hmm. That was kind of fun. Nice. Little plantain chips with some hot sauce on it. Mm-hmm. That was fun. We built three houses in this little Pueblo. Congratulations. Called Nueva Capital, outside of Tegucigalpa, the main city. Great. Um, it was exciting. Yeah. Well done. I did not anticipate the physical labor. They're just like, hey, just build some houses. Mm-hmm. Well. Find some muscles that you hadn't used in a while? Absolutely. Because <laughs> one of the days, so the family, it's kind of the subsidiarity. The family is asked to level the kind of back or front yard to make room for a pila, like an outdoor sink thing. Um, big cement thing. Mm-hmm. The ground is not rocky. The ground is just like almost completely rocks. There's like more rocks than soil, it feels like. Okay. Um, when you till a field, there's rocks that pop up. This is like massive volcanic boulders are just under the surface of the soil. Okay. And these Honduran women were just like using pickaxes and, and taking them out. Wow. So I was helping them one day uh, moving these massive rocks. Mm-hmm. And wow. Being the fit in shape priest that you are yeah yeah exactly massive <laughs> huge boulders uh-huh. and one one day one of them was roll we, we the biggest one we moved we were really proud because we rolled them all off like onto the side of the street is a loose term it's just kind of the place where there aren't houses sure <laughs> in between other houses we rolled them in a line i think we had like six big giant rocks but the biggest one we had to roll it past the already built frame of the house and i was trying to help guide it with a couple other guys and it kind of crushed my hand between the two by four frame oh. and the rock, but thankfully it didn't break. So you're okay. I'm okay. We're fine. We had to take one for the team. Yet. Other cool thing I just want to mention: Have you heard of Nuestra Señora de Suyapa? I have. Have you really? Yeah. Just from people who've just gone like, there. Yeah, like Marian devotions and things. Yeah, yeah. So Suyapa is the it's this basilica in Honduras in mm-hmm. Tegucigalpa. It's like the Guadalupe Shrine of Honduras. Right. So there's this little. Virgencita, this like little virgin, tiny little virgin statue that this native guy found when he was sleeping on a mountain and a bunch of miracles. I was able to celebrate and preach mass. Um, at the shrine. Preach at the shrine, yeah. Oh, good for so you. It's a huge, big basilica, and yeah, it was good really exciting. You. Well, you're pretty gifted with your Spanish skills. I mean, it comes easily to you. So you probably I, were like a translator for your group, weren't you? They, they count on me a lot. I don't, um, it's hard for me to hear everything people are saying sometimes to mm-hmm. to comprehend it, but... Yeah, I, I surprised myself with a year and a half of Spanish ministry every week, and That's it was good. good. Yeah. yeah, you can get by, get the basics, and yeah, exactly. And it, was, it was fun. The kids, <laughs> I will call them out if anybody listens. I don't think they listen. 
our kids were terrible at Spanish. So these kids have taken Spanish classes for four years in high school. Sure. And they literally knew Ola. Sure. And then they'd be like, Father, how do I, how do I tell how do I tell them what my name is? <laughs> or they, would, they would try to do it like if you, right, como te amas or me amo, like it's I call myself whatever. But they would say like, mi nombre es, and I was like, guys, stop. That's not how you say it. Like, right. come on. <laughs> One guy responded to somebody and said, thank you. And I was like, dude, <laughs> if you can know anything, it's hola and gracias and you'll be like, you know. right. So right. It, was, it was kind of funny. Oh. The the other little flex um, that I got to uh, show off to Father Pat Bain, because he went on a trip with Kemper two weeks before mine, and he celebrated Mass at this basilica as well. Okay, He showed up to celebrate, and the priest said, hey, this is my fifth Mass of the day. And I have a bunch of confessions. You want to just take it. Okay. So because of that, our group like made sure that I could celebrate mass there and whatever. But the, uh, the EWTN of Honduras, uh, Suyapa Medios, uh-huh. um, they, they saw me at mass, heard me talk about our project, contacted one of the Hondurans that works with us. And we had like a five minute interview on like television that, that night. Nice. So, Pretty famous. But then a priest at the school said, I told him that they were coming for this interview. And he goes, yeah, it's not very hard to get on TV in Honduras. (laughs) If you want to go talk to the president, just go knock on his door. And I was like, oh. Everybody gets on TV. Yeah. So it wasn't that exciting. Slow news day, that type of thing. (laughs) I guess. I guess. (laughs) I can't find it on YouTube. They said they're going to post it on YouTube, but it's not. The video's not on there. Did you check the homepage? Oh, checked it all. I believe me. I've been checking. Yeah. Oh. So I think it aired on TV. Okay. But it wasn't. Um, and then it was vanishing. Yes, it's just gone. <laughs> no like one a, bothered to like keep the footage sna- like afterwards. Chat. Yeah, exactly. Oh. But um, coming back from Honduras and being there for 10 days, I've been thinking a lot about the poverty we mm. experienced. And that, I've worked in the inner city in Kansas City and Omaha and homeless shelters and doing some ministry for um, like single moms and projects. And mm-hmm. that's obviously probably the most like abject poverty I've, I've experienced of people living in little shacks with dirt Mm -hmm. floors and that they're renting sometimes that was Mm -hmm. kind of shocking that i learned some of these people that were building houses for the houses they currently live in aren't even their houses they like have to pay to rent these little terrible shacks Mm. but it just had me thinking a lot and reflecting while i was having mass for the students throughout the time or as we're preparing to come back there's this there can be this feeling especially because there's a language barrier of an us and them experience like Mm -hmm. we're coming from our privileged experience in the u.s we're coming to bring kind of like some skill, but especially resources, money, supplies. We're coming to like drop that off to try to make some kind of little drop in the kind of poverty ocean mm-hmm. that's there. And it's beautiful. There And there is like real like alleviation of families' poverty. Like they mm-hmm. have a home that they get to live in. It's going to be passed on for the generations of their family. And it's beautiful to watch these people thrive. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really beautiful to bring them hope mm-hmm. in the midst of like a pretty destitute experience you know despair right but that us and them thing the experience for so many of my students was just like gosh it's like what'd you learn from this and we'd have these little meetings every night and share and a lot of it was just like yeah i I, you know i should be happy with what i have and i should this and this and that but it it just seemed a little shallow Mm -hmm. um but i kept thinking the whole time and i was trying to kind of prompt them a little deeper to consider yeah we don't have a lot of physical poverty um in our country in our diocese there is real physical poverty, but it's not even close to what we experienced. But there is so much spiritual poverty, um, which is a little different than that, like, um, poor in spirit that Jesus talks about in the Beatitudes. But Mother Teresa coined that once and said, the spiritually poor. And she would say that often when she was talking to the West and to kind of um, 
more affluent society mm-hmm. who was so interested in how she was caring for the poorest of the poor in India and all over the world where her sisters would go and so excited to talk to her about her ministry. And then she kind of like turned the, you know, turned the tables and like call them out about their own spiritual poverty. But mm-hmm. that was just so present because I think what a lot of our students saw, especially so we stayed at a school of like 3000 little ninos running all over the place. And they would often comment like, well, yeah, these kids are so happy and these people who have nothing are still so happy. What was really true for a lot of them is like there's still a really deep faith. Like there's, they're struggling with secularism like anywhere else in the world, but there's still a deep ingrained cultural faith that's present there. And a lot of these students, there was a deep faith. Um, and a lot of these families, there was a deep trust. All of the families, when they received the houses, immediately could just like name that this was like a grace from God and kind of like it even turned into a prayer. But it's just, yeah, it's just called to mind the reality of spiritual poverty a poverty of a spiritual life that's present. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to share this interesting quote that I found from Mother Teresa. This is a comment she made during her talk at the 1994 uh, National Prayer Breakfast in D.C. She said, I can never forget the experience I had in visiting a home where they kept all these old parents of sons and daughters, she means a nursing home, who had just put them into an institution and forgotten them, maybe. I saw them at that home. These old people had everything, good food, comfortable place, television, everything. But everyone was looking toward the door, and I did not see a single one with a smile on the face. I turned to a sister and I asked, why do these people who have every comfort here, why are they all looking toward the door? Why are they not smiling? I'm so used to seeing the smiles on so many people's, uh, on our people, even the dying ones smile. And sister said, this is the way it is nearly every day. They're expecting, they're hoping that a son or a daughter will come to visit them. They are hurt because they are forgotten. And see, this neglect to love brings spiritual poverty. When I pick up a person from the street hungry, I give him a plate of rice and a piece of bread. But a person who is shut out, who feels unwanted, unloved, terrified, the person who has been thrown out of society, that spiritual poverty is much harder to overcome. Mm. So many themes in there that I think really relate to our main theme of feeling outcast. And while we can point to like a nursing home and see that those people are very spiritually poor, um, lacking family, lacking connection, lacking the connection to their parish family to their physical family feeling forgotten outcast i think those of us those sons and daughters who forget their parents also experience the spiritual poverty mm-hmm. and don't see the need that's there to alleviate that that type of uh, feeling of being outcast mm-hmm. we've never done an episode on the elderly uh we've never done an episode on just kind of the the other other ends of um people who feel like an outcast or people who are experiencing spiritual distress, you know, we, t- we tend to focus on a, a younger adult yeah. audience here uh, as they're emerging adults trying to figure out how do I really practice the faith, you know, and keep it going strong. But perhaps we should be giving more time, you know, towards thinking about all those generational uh, differences. Uh, I want to come back to that in a moment, but going back to your experiences in Honduras, um, I'm not trying to interview here. You interview here. No, please. I, I want to go here. I don't want to go there. Um, was there an opportunity for your students in Honduras to hear any sort of spiritual witness by some of the locals? Um, obviously, it'd be a language barrier, perhaps, if their Spanish wasn't very good and you need a translator. But was there an opportunity for the students to see or to hear from somebody who could really speak about their faith, even in the midst of their abject poverty? That's a good question. I think I got to pick up a lot more on that because I could understand Spanish. So mm-hmm. I got to hear just like the little comments people would make when we would bring stuff to their house, 
when we would, we would bring these little kind of gift bags with different supplies. And I went to all of them to just have kind of a priestly presence. And if the Mm -hmm. people needed sacraments, um, we did have an interesting experience. It wasn't explicitly, um, uh, like a testimony of the faith, but three students who, um, the priest who's in charge, their university students studying English. And he wanted them to have an opportunity to actually present in English to us English speakers <laughs> and then asked our students to present in Spanish, which was just a train wreck. But yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, it was okay. They did a good job at trying to you know communicate that. But I think what they showed, they showed it like the faith was a little deeper, but they, they just expressed like how they came from nothing and how like through this different work, through the opportunities that were presented to them and to their response to that, they've actually have something now. And their hope is that like our students could respond even more generously than just sending like donated stuff Mm -hmm. might even be like courageous enough to like go teach English uh, to people. Yeah. They did get to go to mass, the Basilica, which was, you know, you didn't get to hear that witness, but you get to see the, the faithfulness Good. and people kneeling down in front of the, the, the image of the Virgin. Yeah. Well, I only ask because many times on these mission trips, when you come home, the, the lingering memories are not kind of, well, we built three houses. Yeah. I often find the lingering memories for me in these experiences have been the faces, the joy, the enthusiasm of the locals. And just to see how even in the midst of poverty, their lives are so fully alive. Right. Uh, based on the, their, their spiritual warmth, uh, based on their family connections, how tight-knit their communities are. Those are the things that I think are lasting gifts to us who go on these mission trips, um, you know, and we, you know, usually go into those experiences patting ourselves on the back, thinking, "Oh, we're going to go do all this great work." Yeah. And then we usually come home and think, "Wow, those people gave me a lot more than I ever provided for them." Yeah, and something something interesting about the the reality of a Catholic mission trip. First of all, there's very few of them, right? Protestant churches are very ready to go on mission trips. And I think from different friends and family members I've had, it makes sense because their primary objective is like to evangelize these terrible Catholics who like, you know, don't know Christ. Right. Which is, I mean, which can be the case a lot of the times if there's not been good catechesis. But there is something beautiful about recognizing that these people are the, they're the same as us. They are just as Catholic as we are. They have the same faith. They have a different tradition of how it's been handed down. But it, we're, we're the same church, one holy, mm-hmm. one holy Catholic apostolic church. That we're the same. So there's this feeling of solidarity that's so beautiful that that helps that us and them mentality. But when I was thinking this whole time of okay, you know what's like the remedy of physical poverty? It's to recognize where there is a real need. That's what Mother Teresa did. She just picked up this man, but she went to these areas where the poorest of the poor, and that's where the missionaries of charity still exist in the different cities and different areas of of cities where the poorest of the poor live and suffer and struggle. But we were just sharing that like spiritual warmth that's present with these Catholic poor who have this rich faith. They immediately recognize their need and they live out of that. So that's why they're so ready to talk about God's protection, God's blessings, God's, they're so ready to ask God for things because they're so apparent every day of their need. Right. The receptivity is just ingrained in them. Absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're always open for something, for something more. Um, and that's what's so beautiful with like a, a Latin American devotion, especially of the poor, is that they're so ready to turn to uh, Our Lady. They're so ready to turn to the Lord. They're so ready to receive the sacraments because they're they're recognizing I need salvation. Like that's I need liberation right from this poverty. I need something more. So then the gospel preached right into that. It actually means something, right? 
thinking about the remedy for our own spiritual poverty, like in the West or in our own country, our own diocese, in our contemporary condition, it seems like the first move is to recognize that we are in need. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to do that when, just like Mother Teresa's talking about a nursing home, we can have everything we want, everything we need, we think we need, but yet we're still so empty, right? We can have the newest iPhone. We can have an Apple Watch. We can be completely connected to everybody and everything. So many young people, we can have a car, a job. We can have all of this stuff in education. But like, where's the foundation? And if there's not a foundation of, of knowing God and seeing that we're in need and we need him to sustain us, then it's going to be pretty empty. Feel pretty poor. Right. Yeah. The, the attitude for self-sufficiency in wealthy countries, you know, is really uh, quite an enemy to the spiritual life. Uh, I can pull myself up from my bootstraps. I can manage on my own. I, I will provide for me and everybody around me, and I don't need anyone else to help me. That becomes actually very isolating to the sense of community, uh, to a sense that there's a, a shared journey that we're all on together. But it, it closes one off spiritually in, in the internal life, in the internal life of um, just that receptivity that's necessary to say, I need God. I need something bigger than myself, and I can't provide it all on my own. Uh, we're losing that very, very quickly. Life becomes so self-sufficient when I just sit at home, have everything delivered to my doorstep. Uh, I provide for all my own entertainment. My plastic credit cards take care of everything that you know I could possibly want, which is actually a very shallow way of living, to, to not even have the self-awareness, the situational awareness to say, well, am I actually happy in the midst of all this? Am I really fulfilled? Is there satisfaction? And if not, what needs to be satisfied from something beyond myself yeah. outside? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I hope all your students and the adults that you were traveling with saw that receptivity. Mm-hmm. It was just the immediate openness to say, I, I know that I'm a needy person, and I therefore I can appreciate the blessings even more fully. And I mentioned it briefly before, but I think this is exactly where what you're just saying where the beatitude, where this virtue of being poor in spirit comes into play. To live with an, an attitude of receptivity, to recognize our need before God, it's only in that like condition that we can actually receive what God has planned for us. Mm-hmm. Whenever this show comes out, um, recently we had the, the prodigal son gospel for the Sunday Mass. And it's always helpful to point out that the prodigal son's like the third part of that threefold parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then this prodigal son. And all three of them are really getting at like the providence of God and the goodness of the father who's constantly seeking the lost sheep, sweeping the whole house for the lost coin, running out to meet the the lost prodigal son who's who's come back. And if we can recognize like that in all of us, whether our sin is really great or small, that we're invited by the scriptures to place ourselves as the one sheep who the shepherd leaves the 99, this coin that the father's sweeping all over the place to look for and the prodigal son who he's welcoming back home. Like that can be that attitude of, of receptivity of to be poor in spirit and not to be um, spiritually poor. Right. Yeah. That's certainly a, a spiritual lesson that all of us need to learn. In, and hopefully we can take that with us following this episode, just to chew on that some more deeply. But uh, one other episode or one other topic in this episode that you brought up earlier was mother Teresa's quote. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to chew on from there you know, perhaps some of our listeners want to go back and just listen to you read that quote again or find it online because it's it's just very impactful uh, to say, what is it in our own midst that there is spiritual poverty surrounding us? Yes, we need to have that, that spiritual disposition, that openness to receive and recognize that we're not self-sufficient. 
But where is there spiritual poverty around us that we can help alleviate? Obviously, not everyone's going to run off to Honduras and help on a mission trip, but you can run down the street just to your local nursing home and, and see spiritual poverty in your midst, people who are just craving connectivity, authentic human relationship, feeling loved, wanted, and seen. And I would say before those people end up at a nursing home, we, you mentioned before with young adults, parishes can so often become the same way where people are feeling unfed, right? Like we've said before, mm-hmm. where people are feeling very spiritually poor and lacking community, like we've talked about so much. Nobody talking to them, right? Um, I watched today where somebody tried to come into daily mass and there was open spot and two people, perhaps it seemed, refused to scoot over to make room for these people. Um, and like that's just in the context of a daily you know, experience of parish life. Mm-hmm. Um, so this spiritual poverty, you don't have to look very far to alleviate it because it's in ourselves, but then to just look at other people, right? Those who feel disconnected, perhaps to invite them back to mass. Those you see at church to reach out to them. Those you know are in nursing home, maybe your own family members who it's, it's difficult and uncomfortable to go visit, but to right. do that. Right. Good thoughts, Father. Thank you. Thanks for sharing all this. I hope the uh, mission trip continues to bear fruit for you, those the people that you served and those that you were traveling with as we all kind of work through these deepening needs for a greater spiritual improvement to break away from the poverty. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.